welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. Three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you enjoy today's discussion. Let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome back to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. This is episode 25. And for those of you who listened last week and heard at the end me proclaiming that episode 25, that was my mistake. This is actually our 25th episode, and we are still in our series on the Holy Spirit. Today, I'm going to say, Ajay, we haven't heard you kick off a show in a while, and I think you have a topic that you want to talk about as far as what the Spirit does with, to, and for us. Why don't you take it from there? Yeah, thank you, Tim. And it's good to see you both, as always. So today, uh, one of the truths that we want to discuss is uh, Holy Spirit was given to glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read from John chapter 16, from verse 12 to 15. And after that, you know, we can uh, go a little deeper into that. Uh, John chapter 16, from verse 12 to 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take off what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take off mine and declare it to you. So here we see that Holy Spirit came to glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, he will glorify me. So before going into how he glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ, I would like to kind of uh, go into the scriptures and see how the Holy Spirit, uh, his role in the scriptures, you know, even from the beginning, he is present in types and shadows, even in the Old Testament. In fact, you know, many, there are some parables and there are also some stories in the Old Testament that point to the Holy Spirit. One of the passages that I would like to go to is uh, Genesis chapter 24. Abraham was old and he was well advanced in age. And the Bible says, Lord blessed him in all things. And so Abraham said to the old servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, he tells him, you know, go find a bride for Isaac, right? Many men of God say that here the servant represents the Holy Spirit and Abraham is God the father and the bride is the church. So from the beginning, the Holy Spirit's role is to actually unite the bride with the bridegroom who is our Lord Jesus Christ. So in this example, we see that the old servant, you know, he goes and we know the story, right? He goes to the land of the fathers and then he finds Rebecca and he brings back. And then, you know, of course, Isaac marries Rebecca. So here the type and typology is Abraham is God the father and Isaac is the son and the bride is the church and the old servant is the uh, Holy Spirit. And we also see Holy Spirit coming in uh, other parables. We know the parable of the um, Great Supper, right? In Luke chapter 14, 16 to 21, it says, Then he said to them, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are ready. 
Again, here the picture is, you know, the Holy Spirit is going out to find the bride for Christ, right? From among us, he is going out preaching the gospel so that, you know, church can be built. And then this whole thing is a preparation for the great day of uh, the marriage feast in heaven. Even it's in Revelation, it says, on the great day of the marriage feast, the bride, the church, the bride of Christ is basically united with the bridegroom. And again, here the typology is the servant. So the Holy Spirit's role is simply to bring the church or the bride to the bridegroom, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, at the bidding of God the Father. Well, you know, so I think, uh, again, just as in the, when the Lord Jesus Christ was on this earth doing his ministry, right, he, it says, the Lord Jesus said several times, you know, the words that I speak are not mine, but of the Father, right? So he took the Father's words and then gave it to us or declared it to us. And similarly now, the Holy Spirit takes the words of Lord Jesus Christ and gives it to us. So in the current dispensation, so to speak, or in this current period, for lack of better words, the role of the Holy Spirit is always to glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. And he takes the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and gives it to us. And the mission of the Holy Spirit is to simply unite the bride to the bridegroom. You know, that's why we see that Holy Spirit is not glorified, but it's always the bridegroom who is glorified. Even uh, John says, right? You know, John calls himself as, he calls Jesus as the bridegroom. And uh, John calls himself as a best man, right? So there he's saying that the glory belongs to the bridegroom. When you go to a marriage, you know, it's not about, uh, about the best men or the bride, who, whatever you call them, right? So it's not about them, it's about the bridegroom. Similarly, it's not about the Holy Spirit, but it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we don't see a lot of Holy Spirit glorified in the Bible, in the New Covenant especially, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ that is glorified. But the good news is, you know, as long as the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified, we are obeying the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is uh, doing His job, so to speak, right? So that's the coolest thing about the New Covenant. That's why we hear a lot of uh, Lord Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit seems to be kind of behind the scenes doing the work. But the glory always goes to our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I think that's awesome, Ajay. And what was that one line you used to summarize that? His job was to bring the bride to Christ? To the bridegroom, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and this really goes in line with that. Something I've been thinking about lately. I think a lot about preaching and what the Bible tells pastors and Christians, how to share the gospel, what the gospel is. And We've talked about this many times, that we feel like Scripture tells us that it's not the messenger, but it's the message. And a couple of things that really, I think, really tie in well to what you just said, Ajay, is Roman 1.16, the Apostle Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which I feel is like the most instructive uh, place in the Bible that teaches people how to preach, what to preach, um, just great instruction for any pastor or preacher. The Apostle Paul starts out by first telling what it is he preaches. He said, while I was among you, I vowed to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. 
And then he goes on to talk about himself as the messenger. And he says uh, that he did not come with human wisdom or eloquence. He didn't come with strong and persuasive words. In fact, he said he came with fear and trembling at his own sufficiencies. He said, and yet, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And the first time I heard that was when I got the opportunity to guest preach at a church. Oh, it was the first time ever I had that awesome privilege of, of bringing the gospel. And I was a little nervous, so I was looking for some comfort in Scripture. And I found 1 Corinthians 2. And, and at first, it didn't give me much comfort because I'm like, all right, now I have to preach, not, not just do a great job of it, but I have to show a demonstration of the Spirit's power. But then the more I looked at this, I'm like, wait a minute. The power is in the message. It's not in me. And that really freed me up to go in in peace and confidence in the Holy Spirit. So when I put those two scriptures together by Paul there, Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 2, the Apostle Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel. And then at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 2, he tells you what the gospel is when he says, all I preach is Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel. And he says that that is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So if you do a little mathematical equation and his message was the Spirit's power and the gospel has God's power, that means that the Holy Spirit of God is the power of the gospel message. He inhabits the gospel. That's why it's so important for pastors and preachers, bring that message, because that's where the power of the Holy Spirit is, and he's the only one that can change a human heart in the first place. You know, Mark, I, uh, I hearken back to our early days as we were preparing to put this podcast together, and the three of us would get together, and more than once, I think I've heard it out of each of you, and I'm sure I've said it, not sure that we were sufficient to bringing the words and coming back to that point, Mark, where it's not about how eloquent we are. I mean, we're like, I'm like Paul. I, uh, I don't speak with eloquence of words and, and mightiness, but um, it's the message that we're bringing that's important. And it's, it's not about us. It's about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just the way it went with us, right? I, th I think this is the most awesome thing when people are nervous about sharing the gospel. Where I, I think it's, is it 2 Corinthians 3 where it says that God has made us competent ministers of the new covenant? Yep. And the reason is, is because the new covenant is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yep. Yep. There's such a great tie-in there. It's not your power, your eloquence, your wisdom, strong and persuasive words. You don't need to debate anybody about evolution, about <laughs> bring the gospel, because the power of God's Spirit is in it. Yeah, thank you, Mark. In fact, that's an awesome scripture. I also wanted to, you know, it struck me, and of course, you all already mentioned. So you mentioned that, you know, uh, all we needed to do is uh, preach Christ and Him crucified. Then you also said... Uh, Paul said, you know, I did not come with eloquence, but with uh, so that my our preaching might be in demonstration of spirit's power. So how are you demonstrating spirit's power, right? When do you demonstrate spirit's power? It's when you preach Christ and him crucified. 
when you are preaching Christ and him crucified you are demonstrating spirit's power and that goes back to our original discussion right so he came to glorify our lord jesus christ so that also brings us to the point right you know somebody might come and say hey you know the spirit told me you know i'm operating in the spirit this is of the spirit of god how do you validate that so the answer is simple if whatever he said or whatever he said the spirit is telling him to do is not glorifying our lord jesus christ it's not of the spirit it's it's a very simple test because the spirit is given to glorify our lord jesus christ if whatever we are doing is not glorifying the lord jesus christ but our flesh or maybe something else glorifying man it's not of the spirit so it's a very simple litmus test to understand what is of the spirit and what is of uh, what is of the flesh or humans or even of the devil and 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 i would add to that aj that if someone is preaching something that's not glorifying christ but is glorifying christian living or obeying his teachings or obeying the law do this don't do that that's not of the spirit either totally yeah yeah that's what i meant by glorifying the flesh and human so when we glorify the law we eventually end up uh, glorifying humans because it's all about our doing right right yeah yeah so i think the next point i had is how does the spirit glorify our lord jesus christ right so this is also an awesome point you know we read this yeah he came to glorify lord jesus christ but how does he do it this is one of your uh, favorite scriptures again mark and tim first corinthians 2 9 to 12 it says but as it is written i has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which god prepared for those who love him but god has revealed them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things yes the deep things of god for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him even so no one knows the things of god except the spirit of god and now this is a point i wanted to make now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from god that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by god so if you remember the previous scripture in john chapter 16 we said that you know he will receive what is of mine right and declare it to you and what are the things that the spirit is declaring to us that it is uh, written here in corinthians he is declaring to us the things that are freely given to us by god in christ jesus christ so lord jesus christ finished the work right and then he is giving everything to us in christ freely salvation inheritance eternal life the joy peace and the gift of righteousness and the fellowship with the father all of this that is contained in our inheritance is going is given to us freely so holy spirit glorifies our lord jesus christ simply by revealing to us our inheritance in christ jesus that is given to us freely and we also see that in our romans chapter 832 he who did not spare his son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not also with him give us all things freely and there are other scriptures as well you know where it says you know god gives us all things freely so just connecting the dots together right i just wanted to summarize holy spirit glorifies our lord jesus christ 
by revealing to us the things freely given to us of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I love that John 16. I was I had my hand up because I wanted to share that and you went right into that, RJ. So, I'll just say I like my NIV translation. The wording actually works really well with what you read from uh, 1 Corinthians 2, I believe it was, where Jesus was telling his disciples, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Make known just ties in there so good. It's his job to reveal to us, to make known. That's why he's called the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's revealing all that the Father's All that is the Father's is the Son's, and now it's ours as co-heirs with Christ. And it's the Spirit's job to make known to us exactly what those things are, as you enumerated, Ajay. Yeah, in fact, you said, Mark, before, he is making known to us, not that, you know, we can just brag about how smart we are, how much we know, but simply so that we can receive. Yeah the things he is making known to us by faith. How can you how can you receive if you don't understand them? First of all, if you don't know they exist. Secondly, if you don't understand them, yeah. and then, you know, you're never going to receive. And I, to me, you know, there's so many people that ex- try to explain through various theological theories why we don't see the same thing in the church nowadays that they saw in the first church the Spirit moving and gifts of the Spirit and thousands getting saved at a time, people healed, miraculous signs and wonders. And they come up with their own theories. So I'm going to add my theory to that. And it's exactly what we're talking about. It's because we don't know some things exist. And if we know they exist, we don't understand them. And if we don't understand them, how can we receive them? That's my theory. Yeah, I would also kind of disagree with the hypothesis or premise of that statement. Well, I don't allow that. Yeah. <laughs> Not yours, the one that who has the question. Oh, okay. So they are thinking that uh, manifestation of the Spirit or seeing the Spirit like early days is about miracles and healings. But as we just uh, uh, just discussed, right, you know, I would contend that the manifestation of the Spirit is actually in the preaching of the gospel of grace. And the gospel of grace is preached and spreading like wildfire than ever before. So we are seeing the work of the Spirit, I would say, more than before. It all depends on what you think is the work of the Spirit. Right. Well, that's an interesting point, interesting point too, Ajay, because signs and wonders were to confirm the gospel. Yep. It says in Acts that uh, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas were going through the countryside preaching the gospel, and everywhere, everywhere they went, God confirmed the message of his grace with signs and wonders. Yep. That might be another <laughs> one more possible explanation is so few are preaching the pure message of God's grace, Christ and him crucified, And I would just ask a hypothetical for all of us. Do you think God is still willing to confirm the message of his grace? If God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not saying there are no miracles. In fact, I believe even for the confirmation of gospel or simply for asking him because we are his children. 
healings and miracles are all possible but all i am saying is salvation of souls is a greater miracle and preaching of the gospel is of uh, a greater work of holy spirit than healing that's all i was saying yeah yeah that's the ultimate healing yeah well i have let you guys go back and forth way too much without getting a word in edgewise we're just trying to give the listeners what they want tim sorry <laughs> <laughs> so unless you guys have wrap up comments on that yeah i think uh, i just want to summarize real quick the three points that we discussed so first we said holy spirit was given to glorify our lord jesus christ and he glorifies the lord jesus christ by revealing to us all the things god gave us freely in christ jesus and finally you know this is also a litmus test to understand whether something is of the spirit or not if lord jesus christ is not glorified it's not of the spirit good summation aj good uh, rubber hits the road truth so with that having been said i want to shift us gears to another topic in the same vein and that and that is walking in the spirit now i'm going to let mark take it in a moment because i know he doesn't like when i just call it walking in the spirit because there's it really encompasses a lot and uh, he's got a, a lot of reference for that but uh, basically it's now that we have the spirit in us how do we operate with that spirit in everything that we do mark well, I'm just going to start out with a hu- little humility saying, I don't know. <laughs> That's why we're doing this series, because um, the Spirit to me has been, throughout my life, the most mysterious person of the Trinity. And we've learned a lot these last four or five weeks, and that's why I got to tell you, I'm so glad we did it, did a deep dive into Scripture, because the first thing that jumped out of me was just how much the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. And one thing that comes right to the front, that the value of the Spirit in your life is unfathomable. It's unmatched by, there's nothing close to it. That's the first thing when you start to search every possible term that involves the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant, Old Testament, and the New Covenant, New Testament. First thing will jump out at you just how much there is that Scripture says about the Spirit and how valuable He is in your life, the power. And, uh, well, what's more valuable than knowing Christ, which He came to do? Um, I love Luke 11 here, where Jesus talks to the crowds, and He said, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And that's always seemed like a very sharp left turn there, because he's saying that if we, being human, you know, with sin in our lives, can still have a desire and ability to give good gifts, I would have thought he would have said, how much more will your father give you even better gifts? You know, or I would give you the fish and give you the egg instead of the snake and the scorpion. But he doesn't. What does he do? He says that if, he says, 
ask for the Holy Spirit. It's almost like everything is encompassed in that. He's gone to the most priceless, precious gift there is. Has that ever intrigued you guys at all? That he didn't, the parable takes a shift there, talking about giving gifts to your kids. And all of a sudden he goes to the right to the Holy Spirit. Yep. I don't know. That's always just really intrigued me. It's almost like he's saying, I'm proving the point by saying, ask for the Holy Spirit. There's nothing yeah. that's a greater gift than that. In fact, the Bible also refers to Holy Spirit as uh, the promise of the Father. So, Lord, before going to heaven, he says, you know, wait for the promise of the Father. So, because only through the Holy Spirit, Christ can live in us. So, what, like we discussed, Holy Spirit brings, brings Christ into us, right, literally, who is in heaven, he brings him into us. So, And without the Holy Spirit, Christ cannot come into us. And he said, you know, he has great desire to come back. So I think, uh, Mark, you mentioned before, Lord Jesus said, you know, I'll not leave you orphans, but I'll come to you, right? How did he come to us? Through the Holy Spirit. That's why the day of Pentecost, when Holy Spirit was given, that was such a great day because Christ, who went to heaven in bodily form, now he is back in the world through the Spirit. I want to kind of hearken back, since Tim did some hearkening earlier, I'll do some now too. Tim, a couple episodes ago, I believe you talked about the Greek word for Holy Spirit during the creation of the world as recorded in Genesis, and also now, and that that word for Spirit can also mean breath. Yes, uh, two words. It's both wind and breath, and that's uh, in the Old Testament because that's all from the Hebrew, and I believe the word is rauch. Rauch, yeah. Uh, but I found it's funny because on that note, I found more connections in scriptures with that the Spirit is the breath of God for creation, for salvation. Um, and it says in John 20, uh, when the resurrected Christ came to his disciples, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There's that breath again and the Holy Spirit in the same little, little uh, passage here. Um, and he also says, they say, all scripture is God-breathed. And we know Scripture is all called is also called the sword of the Spirit. So there's there's some connection between the breath of God, creation, recreation through salvation, and then the actual Word of God, Scripture that comes to us is so innately. It's the Spirit. It's the Word of the Spirit too, uh, all coming from that same. Uh, Hebrew word, rauk, meaning breath or wind. And then on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was first given to the church, it says it came like a violent wind, which is the, the other definition for rauk, the breath of God, which I suppose if God breathed on you, it would feel like a wind, wouldn't it? <laughs> in fact, in John chapter 3, in reference to being born again, Lord Jesus Christ also refers to being born again as, you know, like the wind. The You do not know where the wind comes from, where it goes. Yeah, interesting. So are we who are born again by the Spirit. Very interesting. wondered if I could bring us back a little bit to the question of, so how do we live in the Spirit? I know, I know people who 
claim that they don't make any decisions whatsoever until they feel the spirit move. They, they won't get dressed because they don't know what to wear until the Lord tells them, etc. And that seems to me to be kind of an extreme. But what does it mean for us being filled with the Holy Spirit to live in the spirit day to day? So before uh, going into what it is like walking in the spirit, I think we need to understand how we can actually, what are the conditions for lack of better words, right? How can we actually start walking in the spirit? We read the scripture several times, but I, it's a good one to go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So in other words, if you are under the law, you cannot be led by the spirit. So one of the first criteria for walking in the spirit is you cannot be under the law. In the law, there is no spirit. There is no guiding of God. So the first thing is, we need to get out of the law and go from law to grace. And the second scripture, again, you know, we also mentioned several times is in Galatians chapter 3, in verse 5. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So here we see again, right, you know, I think there's a clue here, right? So he referred to a scripture that is in reference to righteousness. We all know and we all agree we are justified by faith. So a man is justified by faith and not by the works of the law. And then in Romans chapter 4, this scripture was quoted, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. It's quoted in reference to justification, but here he is I'm quoting sorry. the same scripture in reference to uh, walking in the spirit, right? He is saying that, therefore, he who supplies the spirit, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? So clearly by the hearing of faith, we walk in the spirit. So it, uh, it, you know, I've been thinking about it for some time, but I think this causes me to believe that walking in spirit is another word for walking in grace, right? Just as we have been saved by grace through faith, we walk in the spirit by grace through faith. So simply looking at our, we also talked about uh, several times, beholding the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Looking at his glory, and we are transformed into his image by the Spirit of the Lord. So all this leads me to believe that, you know, first of all, if you are walking in grace, you are walking in the Spirit. You know, that is kind of the baseline, I would say. But I think, Tim, we can also talk about specifically being led by the Spirit. Uh, we can probably talk about that, but I think, Mark, you have something to say there. Yeah, I thought you really answered that question in the first part of the, this episode when you talked about the Spirit's role of glorifying Christ. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, then our, we're Christ-focused. Christ, well, you really kind of said that in different words because grace is Jesus Christ, yep. is the gospel. And for me, all roads always lead back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, which you just brushed upon a moment again, Goaje. And that's where Paul really, I believe, has the most beautiful, all-encompassing definition of the Christian life, which is walking in the Spirit, when he says, and we all 
not just some Christians, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And then that's when he says, he tells you who the Lord is, which is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Yep. Yep. That's the Christian life, because Ajay just actually said that in his own words. He said, if you want to walk in the Spirit, you've got to get out under the law, which Paul calls a veil in 2 Corinthians 3. You're not going to walk in the Spirit. You're not going to know Christ. You're not going to know all the different things that the Spirit's come to reveal to you as long as you keep yourself under the law, which is a ministry of death and condemnation and a veil. When you come into the new covenant, which 2 Corinthians 3, once again, tells us is the ministry of the Spirit, that's where you live. That's where we camp out is right there. Yep, yep. So I am reminded of a uh, story that I heard. Uh, uh, you know, there was this chicken. Actually, there was this eaglet somehow, you know, fell from the nest into the chickens, right? And grew up with chickens. And then she never knew that she's an eaglet. You know, she was thinking that it was a chicken and kind of going around, going on the ground, you know, looking for grain and then going back under, uh, in the nest of the chicken and just, you know, living her daily life, right? So one day after a certain period of time, you know, somehow it felt like, you know, she started to fly a little bit. So while other chickens are kind of walking on the ground, you know, this chicken is, saw a small stone and then climbed on it right? And then started realizing, okay, looks like, you know, maybe there's something I'm different. I'm doing things that uh, these chickens are not able to do. Then she started going on that stone. And, you know, one fine day, the what happened was, you know, the mother eagle came looking for the eaglet after a long time. And one of these days, this baby eaglet or was, again, as customary, climbed the stone and looking here and there, then the giant mother eaglet comes flying like this and then comes really close. And then the baby eaglet sees the giant eaglet and sees, oh my God, this looks like me, not these chickens. And then the mother eaglet says, come on, this is what you are, right? And then it starts flapping its wings and then takes off with the mother eagle. So what happens to us is, you know, when we behold the Lord Jesus Christ, that's exactly what we are doing. We are realizing more and more who we are. And then we start actually acting like who we are in Christ Jesus. You didn't do the end of the story, Ajay, where the mother and the baby eaglet swooped down and ate all the chickens. <laughs> did, did you forget that part? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I think walking in the spirit also relates to living by our new identity. The Bible clearly says, as Christ is, so are we even in this world. So every morning we get up, we understand who we are in Christ and we simply are ourselves. That's what walking in the Spirit is. So there are times, you know, where, so I think where we are going is, we don't have to worry every time about, as a new creation in Christ, am I walking in the Spirit or not? Can I do this? Should I eat this? today? Should I apply for the job? So you don't have to struggle every time, but walking in the spirit simply involves just being yourself. Understand who you are in Christ. 
realize your new identity and just be yourself. But having said that, the Bible also says, you know, the spirit leads us by peace. So in Isaiah 55, this is also a gospel uh, chapter in the Old Testament, right? It starts with everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He that has no money, come ye buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? And it says, hearken diligently to me. Eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness and incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live. Right? That's what we just read in Galatians 3. You know, we receive the Spirit by the hearing of faith. Here it says, if you hear, your soul shall live. And when we go to towards the end of the chapter, it says, right, it says, you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And these are the two indications of, you know, being led by the Spirit. And the Bible also says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drinks, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, Tim. I'm I'm uh, going to take us back to Galatians 5. Here's another really good way of know, knowing whether you're living and walking in the Spirit or not, because the flesh and the Spirit are at odds. And there's a list towards the end of the chapter. Um, Galatians 5, 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, and these are, and he lists like 16 things, um, everything from adultery to hatred to drunkenness to murders, etc. If you are feeling led to do any of these things, you're not walking in the Spirit. And the next, you started to touch on it, uh, Ajay, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperaments, of which against such things there is no law. So you've got some indicators to kind of look for in your life. Am I, who am I following? Am I following the spirit or am I following the flesh? And that's, I just wanted to throw that in because you kind of touched on it there for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Kilman, let me just add one quick little definition off of what Tim said that we try to divine, uh, de- define as often as we can. And that's that the flesh doesn't just mean the sinful nature, which he was listing a bunch of sins there, but it means trying to live by the law perform, do it yourself, try hard to self-improve. Yeah, yeah. Just keep that in mind. We want to always define that that's a bigger definition than just sin. Yeah, both are great points. In fact, and I also want to kind of clarify, not clarify, add a little more. In that passage, Tim, you that mentioned, it uh, contrasts two things, the works of the law and the fruit of the Spirit. So are the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Like Mark said, if you are walking by your flesh, which is you're living under the law, you will end up, you know, producing all those works of the flesh. But if you are walking in grace and living by the f- Spirit, right, then you will manifest the fruit of the Spirit. So they are the indicators in terms of uh, whether you are living by the flesh or living by the Spirit. But I also want to specifically call about, you know, how do we know that something is of the Spirit or not? Uh, it says, you know, you'll be led forth with peace. So as Christians, our default state is peace, right? So we are a new creation. 
our sins are forgiven having been justified by grace we have peace with god so our default is peace and as long as we have peace you know of course you are not obviously these overt sins are not of the spirit we know that right you can't say that you know go and sin every day do all kinds of things and say that spirit is leading me it doesn't matter we are not saying that but apart from that we are talking about hey am i doing this is it the will of god or not or oh, today i ate steak is it the will of god or not or oh, should i take this job or not it is the will of god or not you know in those things you simply live be yourself right because your default state is peace but the way you know whether you are led by the spirit or not if you are about to do something instead of you being in a default state of peace there is some unrest about it right that's when at least personally i take a step back if i'm going in certain direction there's no peace in my heart there is some unrest there is not perfect peace about it then you take a step back and see okay maybe this is not of the lord so that is another way of being practically led by the spirit but this could be a good indicator but at the end of the day i think we just go by the word of god right so if you are not walking under the law and if you are walking in grace and if you are glorifying our lord jesus christ and if our eyes are on the lord jesus christ we are walking in the spirit well thank you aj i get the feeling we could have talked a lot more on both of those subjects today and probably will in the future so stay tuned everybody but before we sign off as usual i'll ask you guys do you have any final words aj yeah so tim i would say right you know we are not saying like mark said we are still discovering everything about walking in the spirit we can only talk about things that we know so what i know for sure is in order to walk in the spirit you have to get out of the law and walk in grace and the bible also clearly says um just as we became righteous by faith we also walk in the spirit by faith so it again comes down to by grace through faith both our salvation as well as walk in the spirit but at the same time you know there are other indications like having led being led by peace in order to know that you know this is of the spirit and this is not of uh, uh, god but one thing i know for sure is as long as we are glorifying our lord jesus christ and as long as we are walking in grace and not under the law we can rest assured that you know we are being led by the spirit and we are walking in the spirit i'd like to just conclude with uh, jesus own words in john 6:63 i'm going to keep it short here too he said the spirit gives life the flesh counts for nothing we've already defined the flesh as man's abilities to do whether it's good meaning trying to keep the law and good works and righteous acts or whether it's sin i i want to do bad i want to do good i can do it i'm a little god jesus says no the spirit gives life the flesh counts for nothing the words i have spoken to you they are full of the spirit and life amen amen well everybody i think that's going to wrap us for tonight we appreciate your listening we encourage you to send us any comments questions you might have and as always if you're enjoying this we hope you'll give us a like a thumbs up a star whatever your favorite platform uses subscribe and tell your friends that'll be it for us tonight guys everybody we'll talk to you the next time
We would like to thank you for listening to The Unveiling. We hope you have enjoyed it enough to consider subscribing and sharing with others. We welcome your questions, comments, and feedback. You can reach us via email at theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com or find our Facebook page at The Unveiling Podcast. For IJ, Mark, and myself, God bless, and we will talk with you next time.